0: This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Ranjan Paul, Chair of the Spine Department at Dooley Health and Care in Illinois. Dr. Paul, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, so let's dive right in. What are the top challenges that you're anticipating for your practice in 2022?
1: Well, there's been a number of ongoing changes in spine and spine care, as I'll call it. The biggest one that, were, that comes to mind right at the current moment is the CMS changes to ASC codes. Um, that's, that's been sort of a moving target. We had cases that are really outpatient-oriented that we are now unable to do at our ASC until we get carve-outs and, and some other traction in that area because even a lot of our private payers have followed CMS guidelines. So that's a challenge. I, I think. I think as the payers understand that they're actually increased their costs substantially by keeping these cases out of the ASC, they're, they're, they've actually um, uh, really um, made things more difficult for themselves, so to speak, um, and for patients. The, the patients we've been doing quite a bit about patient surgery all last year. and and many of the patients were really enjoying the experience because it's smaller, more intimate. Um, RASC is exclusively orthopedics and spine. So that means everyone from the preoperative nurses to the uh, perioperative nurses, the staff, um, even the reception staff, everyone is very, very involved and understands the orthopedic and spine patients. there's not as many patients coming through. So it's very intimate environment. People enjoy it. We're having a tougher time getting people into that environment now. So that's a challenge. Um, The other challenges revolve around how do we, and that's more hospital-based, and that is how do we do a better and better job at taking care of our older, more complex spine cases? because a lot of those we've had an aging population and people are are healthier now at an older age but they have some medical issues obviously and now we're seeing people that are 10 20 25 years out from maybe a fusion a decompression or some kind of surgery in their cervical and lumbar spine as we know adjacent level disease and sagittal balance issues are 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 oftentimes an issue And we're, we're stuck with some bigger dilemmas. And I think we at least owe it to ourselves to explore those dilemmas in an evidence-based fashion. And, and we are progressively trying to take surgical care of more and more of these patients. And that really goes to the opposite. And I just started with the ASC portion, but really going towards the more complex cases that, that are going to likely stay in a hospital um, and will also need very specific optimization, very specific uh, protocols, algorithms, avenues to, that have to be multidisciplinary. So that involves anesthesia, the hospitalists, uh, the patient's cardiologist, primary care, um, their rehab, um, so on and so forth. That whole continuum needs to be really, it does for all a spine. But when you get to these older complex cases, older patients with complex spine disease, that's, that's a, a big challenge. So those are the two things that come to my mind with regards to the challenges that, that are first and foremost, we're, we're dealing with right now.
0: That's really interesting to hear, and both thinking about the difference between the ASC setting and the spine or the inpatient setting—two different sets of challenges. But both, it seems like coming together and trying to figure out the best way to provide patient care. I'm wondering on the ASC side of things. You said, um, you know, you're having more trouble this year getting or this past year getting. Patients in through the surgery center than during the early days of the pandemic when everybody was heading out of the hospital and needing that extra space. What is kind of the roadblock there? Is it on the insurance side, or are there other factors that are making it challenging for you to bring cases into the surgery center?
1: It's it's government related. It's it's, it has to do with regulations. So CMS took a number of codes that were originally allowable in the outpatient setting, particularly the multi-level codes. So for example, it's difficult for us to do um, a two-level cervical, whereas we did those last year as an outpatient and have been for quite a long, even at the hospital, we do those as an outpatient, send them home the same day. Uh, Two-level micro, this morning, I did a two-level microdiscectomy um, on a young patient. Total outpatient surgery, but I had to do it in the hospital. This year, as opposed to last year, and that is because the second level um, is we are unable to to get reimbursed for the whole case if I do two levels at the ASC. So, uh, and this is happening every day now. I mean, this is we about. I estimate I was doing about forty forty five percent of my cases. At the ASC, and that's that's going to be down a little bit. But I, I I think we can get through this too. I think it just requires that um, people pay attention and look at the codes, the reality, the situation on the private payer side. CMS has made their decision, um, and and I believe it's a final one. I mean that that requires more regulatory political pressure. But on the private payer side, I, it's I, I'm hoping m- more more of a, a business level uh clinical level sort of dialogue uh, that that is more easily navigable by all parties at least here in Illinois so i'm i'm staying optimistic about it i think we'll be back up to doing quite a bit in the outpatient center but right now it's the there's specific cases that were on the outpatient list but because they're multi-level um those set, that we can no longer do those in the, in, in our ASC setting.
0: Got it. I think that's really interesting to hear. And, you know, when you look at um, your, your practice as well, what do you think are some of the biggest opportunities for additional growth going forward?
1: Um, going growth, growth, going forward. I think, I think we'll get through this, th- this period. I think we have, we have excellent people that are, are in dialogue with, with, with our payers um, in, in Illinois. And, and I think once that happens, I, we're, we'll be back on to a, a real fierce level of growth um, in the near future for, for those cases. Uh, we were doing reconstructive spine on an outpatient basis um, and able to save payers uh, substantial uh, amounts of sum, amount, sums of money um, for, for those healthier patients. The other areas of growth. We're, we're our group. We are we are very multidisciplinary. So, as as chair of spine, I I work very very closely with uh, the chair of pain, uh, physiatry, our physical therapy administrators, our physical therapists, our hospitalists, our immediate care centers. All those people up and down the line that are involved. All of us are involved in spine care. And I think that's one of the areas of growth in terms of, um, not, I'm not just talking about pace volume, but growth in terms of being able to offer a, a, a better quality of care, uh, a more integrated, seamless, um, a, 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 better, a better form of delivering operative and non-operative spine care is is well within our realm and i think that's one of our big growth opportunities in terms of what we're going to be able to accomplish in the near future i'm excited about that and and um, we're going to be doing quite a bit more with it
0: i love that That that's so interesting so being able to be more collaborative and um, really care for patients along the continuum versus just the episodic care it sounds like a huge opportunity for you as well as spine surgeons and professionals, I'm sure, across the US.
1: Yeah, if you're, if you're in a doctor-directed multidisciplinary group like ours, that's, that's a unique opportunity. So, that's something that I want to leverage um, as, as part of my department.
0: Fantastic. And While I have you on the line here, I also wanted to ask you about technologies and and different innovations in spine care today. What are the most interesting devices, implants, platforms that you're really seeing that could make the biggest impact on spine going forward?
1: First thing that comes to mind would be navigation. Uh, There's some remarkable developments that are occurring in navigation, Right now, and I think that's really going to be uh, that's very, going to be very very helpful as we move forward, especially in the outpatient space, and also creates a lot more predictability. Just keeps that surgeon much more oriented in terms of the anatomy that they're dealing with on minimally invasive spine surgery, uh, understanding where where you are in space in terms of all the vital structures and and. Lowering risk, improving, again, improving predictability is, is going to be part of that. The other technology techn- technology that I believe is going to be very exciting, I've got two outstanding pr- partners, Dr. Ashish Patel and Dr. Michael Contimika that are doing a fair amount of endoscopic work in the outpatient arena. And... They are really offering some amazing alternatives to our patients, and I think that technology, especially when you dovetail it with navigation, uh, which is really a no-brainer. I know there's I'm not the first one to mention putting those two things together. I guarantee you that. But those those two modalities put together with some improvements in technology and the engineering. Um, not just the digital portion, but the mechanical, I think, is going to be very exciting in the next few years.
0: I love that. I think, you know, the focus on minimally invasive procedures, making them more minimally invasive, or I guess less invasive overall. Um, and then the endoscopic spine in the ASC just is so interesting um, and really seems like it's cutting edge um, from that perspective. You know, when you look at having these spine procedures coming into the surgery center, obviously each case is different and each payer is different, but do you see them being sustainably able to move into the ASC setting, especially given, um, you know, how much it, um, many resources go into spine cases and getting these done well and, and safely, Um, you know, do you, do you see more spine surgeries going into ASCs?
1: I do. I do. Um, I, that's that's inevitable. It, it's not just a cost sort of driver. I, I I just think patients are going to be demanding that more and more. They're they they are entitled to, uh, I think a a personal uh, a more intimate level of care, uh, on a lot of levels. And you've you've seen that in other other surgical subspecialties, and. A lot of the, the hospitals do a really amazing job. They do an outstanding job of, of taking care of patients and offering them the a, just a, a huge armamentarium of of interventions all in the same place that, that we can't do in an ASC, but uh, especially for, for high acuity, higher risk patients, we can't do those at this time at an ASC. But the The ability to offer care the way you'd want it delivered to yourself is very rewarding for a lot of us. And that's been really exciting for, for a lot of the surgeons uh, in my department is that we're able to now, we have so much control over the patient experience and we can really make it seamless from start to end from, The perioperative, preoperative process up through follow-up and and our nursing staff in the clinic is very close with our nursing staff in the pre and perioperative areas and our preadmission testing and the anesthesiologists all work with the same group and along. It's it's very clear that the circles become very tight and very collaborative Um, and there's a level of collegiality there too that inevitably gives off uh, a, an air of comfort and but also professionalism to the patient. And that's been very rewarding to see us develop very recently now. And I think we're gonna move more and more forward with that, develop it and make it that much better.
0: Got it. I, I think that's really interesting and innovative in its own right in terms of how healthcare delivery is changing now. I have one more question before we wrap up our discussion. Um, what do you think the lasting legacy of COVID nineteen will be on the spine field?
1: That's a really interesting question because I, I think my answer now is far different than maybe the one I would have given you mid pandemic. So I'm 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 looking at broader trends, thinking through the broader issues in healthcare in the United States and. So the the truth of the matter is there's a huge shortage of physicians. You don't see it in the urban and suburban areas, but overall, nationally, there's a massive shortage of physicians. And then that shortage gets unbelievably more apparent as you get further up the line of specialties to the more subspecialties and certainly in spine. So you get out of the major metropolitan areas and, and trying to get some of these advanced spine techniques done in an ASC that we've been talking about uh, during this interview, that becomes more and more difficult. There are places out there I know that do it a remarkable job, but they're in, in our more rural areas and I'm aware of them, but they will be the first ones to tell you that they are rare. They're very unique. So we get now flash, flash forward to the to pandemic. One of the things that came out of the pandemic was surgeons, really learning to run clinics virtually and the, the access um, of opinions of, of the access to care and to, to be able to work with a physician at least initially virtually in in well outside of your area is going to be a monumental improvement for a lot of the country. I think that's, that's a huge step forward in terms of those televisits, making sure that those are available, that's going to increase the scale, but not just for spine. I'm, that's that's broadly for specialty care, and primary care for that matter for most of the country. Uh, the other portion of this is the obvious one, and that is the, the the push into the ASCs. We're realizing that hospitals are they are so important in 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 taking care of. Acutely ill patients in complex ways, like COVID, and just in general, but we're beginning to understand more and more that may not be the best place. Isn't the best place for elective surgery, where things are more predictable, uh, and it's those those needs and that mindsets the of going into an elective procedure versus somebody very very sick needing a whole plethora of resources, that paradigm is very, very different. And that became very obvious with COVID. That was, that was, very, that was staring us in the face every day. There are very two, two very, very different roles for a hospital. Uh, and, and, and the hospital role for the acutely ill, I think, needs to be expanded and rethought in a number of ways. And some of that may be outpatient or handling it through the ICCs, but bringing those resources to the patient or, or, or offering those resources is, is that much more important. But for the elective surgery, for elective surgery and for elective procedures, elective care, and this goes well beyond spine, obviously. Those, those, those are different venues. Those are different animals. They may not just be an ASC, but those need to be thought through very differently. And that's what I I'm thinking through right now on a on a broad level, going forward with healthcare. We need to really reexamine that uh, in, in those two very different areas. And I think if healthcare doesn't, it's we're going to run into some of the same same challenges that we've had over the last year and a half, two years, and we're still digging our way out of those. I, I think they're I, I, I think those are challenges that are are ones that we can we can meet. I think I think we can we can we can work our way through those. But it's it needs needs some careful thought and and some very open collaborative minds to do so.
0: Dr. Paul, that's a, a great point to end on. I, I think, as you mentioned, just having a more coordinated, broader overall understanding and approach to healthcare seems like it would be so essential for really delivering the best care to patients possible and meeting a goal of value-based care.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate you being here and this has been a fantastic discussion. I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it.